0: that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. Simcha Torah and this Shabbat is from Genesis 1 and the f- following chapters 3 to 4, somewhere in there. And it focuses on the creation. Isaiah 42 is connected to it because, in verse 5, we read, This is what God the Lord says, He who created the heavens stretch them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. I will make you to be a covenant people for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Now, what is going on here is God has told Isaiah, that Isaiah and the people to whom Isaiah is speaking can rest assured that what he has promised is going to come to fruition to the same degree that the world was created, the same creator God is going to bring to fruition the things that he has told us in verses 1 to 4. And I want to just share with you what Isaiah points out in verses 1 to 4. But I want you to see that God is telling us this is as certain to come about as the creation of the world has come about through the creator. Put another way, the same power that was exhibited by God in the creation of the universe with regard to the same power he's going to bring about these promises that he makes in verses 1 to 4. And chapter 42 of Isaiah is such an exciting beginning of Isaiah or section of Isaiah because it begins the four servant songs. This is the first of four. Isaiah 53 is another servant song, but this is the first one. And so it doesn't tell us everything that he's going to tell us in the succeeding songs, but he begins to lay a foundation, open the door crack with regard to who this servant is. And this is what I want you to see. Look at verse one. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged, who will he establishes justice on the earth. And how certain can we be that this will happen? Because the Lord, who is the creator of the heavens and earth, is the one who will bring this about. So who is this servant? So let me say some things about this. First of all, the servant here is a king. Now, he doesn't use the word king, but he uses some other terms that reveal to us he's speaking about the coming king of Israel. Three times in these verses, you'll find the word justice is used. He will bring about justice. Now, when we think of the word justice, we oftentimes don't have the Hebrew idea of what justice means. We think of justice as what I would describe as retributive justice, justice with regard to retribution. If you've ever gone to a court of law and I was just in a courthouse yesterday and I sat in on these court proceedings and a large degree of them had to do with traffic violations, And as each individual, I did not have one of those violations. That's not why I was there. But as I was observing what was going on, the judge, the commissioner, whoever it was, sitting behind the bench was exhibiting retributive justice. He was telling them, because you had violated this law, you must pay. And that's oftentimes how we think of justice where wrongdoing is corrected. But there's another kind of justice that this Hebrew word mishpat deals with. It's not a justice that's retribution in nature, but it's justice in the sense of bringing about correction to what is done wrong, what has been wrong. In other words, it's another way of saying making all things right. This idea of bringing about justice is bringing to the world the correction to what is wrong with it. Not punitiveness, not punishment, but restoration and restorativeness. And thus, when you read about justice and you read about the promised king, it says, for example, in Jeremiah chapter 23, that the Lord would bring about a king who would deal wisely and justly. What he's talking about, Jeremiah 23, five. we don't have time to look at it, but if you were to look at that, he's talking about restoring Israel, making Israel right because there's been something wrong with her. That's a restorative kind of justice. And so that begs the question, what is wrong that the Lord must bring about a king by his power to bring correction and rightness to what is wrong? In other words, there's something out of harmony that he must bring into harmony. By the way, in the Hebrew text, very often the word shalom is a parallel term to mishpat. Shalom means peace, but it means more than that. It means bringing into harmony, bringing into right relationships. Something is out of whack. And in fact, we're told in verse 42, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick. He will not snuff out. In other words, we are bruised. We are smoldering. We're not brightly shining. We're like a candle that the flame has been snuffed and all we see are these, this smoke that rises up. And what this text is telling us, this king is a king who comes to restore what is wrong to make right. And what he's telling us here is that those that are wrong, he's not looking to break. Those that are smoldering, he's not looking to snuff out. He's looking to heal them. He's looking to make them right. In other words, what is unhealthy is out of whack with regard to its relationship. Think of your bodies. When our body parts are in right relationship one to the other, we are healthy. We are well. We are harmonious. As we get older, our unhealthiness begins to emerge. Because what happens? Our body parts begin to break down. And the relationship of our hand to our feet or to our arms or other parts, as they come together and as we're growing old, those parts are not working properly with one another. And ultimately, our bodies are unhealthy. They are bruised as it were. They are smoldering as it is. The world is out of whack in terms of its relationships to one another. Why are there wars? Because there's hatred. There's skepticism between individuals, one to the other. We're out of whack with one another. Society is bruised and it's smoldering. And only this promised king can bring healing and restoration to it. That's what Isaiah is telling us. But what's really interesting about this, this word bruised is an interesting word in the Hebrew text. It doesn't just mean that on the outside we see a bruising. You know, as I'm getting older... And as I even just walk through my house, and if I hit the corner of a door or a, or a dresser just a little too sharp, I go, ow, and then I look, and after a while, there's this bruise that appears. And it's like there for months. You know, it's like there for such a long time. Like, how come when I was younger, I'd get bang, 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 nothing would appear. And, you know, and I was fine, and the pain would just subside. But as I've gotten older... All of a sudden I'm bruised and it's like I'm tender for like months. And it takes a while for things to heal. This word bruising is a word that focuses on the external. It looks like a bruise, but deep down inside there is a terminal disease that's at work. We can't see it, but on the outside there's a bruising, but inside there is a terminal element that is bringing us down. That's what this word bruised means. It's oftentimes translated crushed. It's oftentimes translated put to death. Why? Because on the outside, it doesn't look too bad. It looks like just a bruising that will get better. But underneath, there's something that was triggered that will bring about our death. And that's the condition of humanity. You see, all of us are bruised. On the outside, everything looks well. When I was young and I was 17, everything looked well. I even thought I was well. But then when the light began to shine brightly enough to reveal to me that things were not so well deep down inside, I knew that I needed something than just a surface bandage to take care of what was really ailing me. There was something inside I couldn't see that was already working its way through my inner being and into my very soul, that was destructive and was alienating me. It was alienating me from the Creator. Remember, this is what Isaiah 42 is about. The Creator is one who brings restoration through the King that He would send, who would restore those of us, and that's all of us, if we turn to Him who are bruised, and have this terminal illness that's working its way in us that we don't see. And we go through life like that. Every one of us in this room is going to die. We are all in the process of dying. But we don't think about that. Because while we know that to be the case, we think of it as only a bruise. Until we get later on in life when we realize it's much more critical than just an external bruise. But I'll tell you, that may be with regard to our physical life, but there is something more deadly that is attacking our soul and is attacking our inner life. And that's what God's really concerned about as well. Because the reason why we are all bruised and smoldering and sick is because of what we would read in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2 and in Genesis 3. Because while God created all things well, something went awry within his creation. And in Genesis 3, we read about what went awry. God had told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, and in the day that they would eat dying, they would die. Unleashed was something within that on the surface didn't look so terminal. For Adam and Eve still were there, They still were talking to one another, although something of their relationship was destroyed because now they blamed one another. At least Adam did. Oh, it was the woman that you gave me who led me to eat. Their relationship begins to fall apart and with the creator because now they're hiding from him and they're not transparent with him because something inside went off that led to the breakdown in relationships. And they experienced that bruising, that smoldering moment that would continue to work its way inside until they too and all their offspring would die. What Isaiah 52 is telling us is that this promised king who would set all things right must set all things right because all things are wrong. And thus we need him. But you know what's really neat about this passage? There's so much I'd like to say, by the way. Verse 42, verse 1 says, Here is my servant in the Targum, the Aramaic translation by Jonathan Yohanan Ben-Yaziel. He was one of the most learned rabbis in the first century. So uh, respected was this rabbi that they said if birds flew too closely to him, they would burn up because of the glory and all that rested upon him. When he translated this into Aramaic as a paraphrase to be read in the synagogues, he said, here is my Messiah whom I uphold. He understood that the servant in chapter 42 is very different than the servant in chapter 41, verse 8. The servant in 41, verse 8 is Israel, but the servant in 42, verse 1, can't be Israel because as we read, he will make a covenant for the people and the Gentiles. So he's doing something for Israel that Israel can't do for herself. And therefore, this servant can't be Israel. It must be another. But you can take some time and look at that on your own. But what I would like you to see in closing, the way that this king brings healing is through his own suffering. Take a look, for example, in verse 4. It says in my translation, he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. Now, here's the amazing thing I just learned. The Hebrew word for falter in my translation is the same word for bruised in verse 3. It says a bruised reed he will not break, but bring healing to. The way he will bring healing to it is by being bruised himself. And the second word that says smoldering is the same word that's used for discouraged. In other words, this king serves rather than being served. And the way that he serves is by enduring the same distresses we endure. Just as we are bruised, he will experience a bruising. And just as we are smoldering, he will experience a smoldering. And by the way, Genesis 3.15 says that the Lord, the seed of a woman, would come about and crush the serpent's head, though he will do what? Bruise his heel. It's the same word. The descendant of Adam, we are told, in Genesis 3.15, right off the bat, will be a bruised one. This is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, that he was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And here in Isaiah 42, he says, those of us who are bruised, those of us who are smoldering, he's come not to break us, to punish us, he's come to bring healing to us. And how will he do that? By experiencing a bruising and a smoldering himself. But the difference is it will not lead to his death. It will lead to our life. He will endure the suffering that we might have life and that we could be restored. That's the work of the king here in Isaiah 42. And if we had time, I'd love to show you how in Genesis chapter 1, the very same outline of this king is very similar to how God creates the universe. In this chapter, we read, right, that he would bring things to order because we're bruised and smoldering. In Genesis 1, it says, when he created the heavens and the earth... They were tohu vabohu. They were void and without form. They were chaotic and unharmonious. But what does he do? In the six days of creation, he brings healing to the tohu vabohu creation that was created in Genesis 1. When we ask the question, what creates the problem for the need for healing? Genesis 3 tells us. When we read of God making a covenant with his people and with the Gentiles, we read how God creates man and woman in his image. The parallels are there, and that's why Isaiah makes the claim. The creator of the universe is the one who will bring this about. We here at Beth Ariel rejoice over this servant king who brings healing to our souls and to our lives. The invitation was given to us, to me, and I share it with you. Messiah has said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. I will give you shalom. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will give you healing. I will make you whole. I will make you well. I will take the bruising that is in the innermost recesses of your being, and I will bring healing to it. I don't know how to quite emphasize enough the need that we have and the joy we can experience. You know, when we go to doctors, we don't like to hear the results because we don't like the treatments that may be offered, but not so with our king. The diagnosis is made, we're bruised with a terminal illness as a result. We're smoldering and one day will be snuffed out. But there is one who has endured what we are enduring. But he would not falter. And he would not fail in bringing about the healing and restoration, not only to us as individuals, to our world one day, Elizabeth spoke about that, and to society as a whole. But you and I right now have the opportunity to experience that wholeness. We have that opportunity to experience the very healing shalom of our Savior. And I pray you will not squander this moment if you've never invited him into your life. And if you have invited him into your life, that you are to be a healer of others. You are to bring joy into the life of others. You are to bring the message that has healed you to others. We are to exhibit a concern and well-being for others. We're not to break the bruised reeds around us, though sometimes we may like to, but we're to be ones that try to restore it and to bring healing. We don't snuff out the smoldering candles among us that we might like to snuff out, but rather we need to help fan the flame that they might burn brightly as the Spirit enables them to do. So, yes, we do have a responsibility, Elizabeth, and that is to manifest the very character of God to one another. We have a responsibility to allow him to make us right in him. We cannot make ourselves right. The disease is too terrible. But he can make it right in your life, as he's made it right in many other people's lives. So let's pray. And while I'm praying, if the ushers might come forward, Father, we thank you for this morning. Today is a time of celebration, and we celebrate you as our God and King. We celebrate you through the reading of the Torah. We celebrate you through the coming of age of Elizabeth before you, who... Exhibited not only her ability to read and recite the Hebrew, but also, as Stan said, to explain the meaning of your word. And we are grateful, Father, to see her heart and to see her love for you. Father, that is why we've come, to worship you, to praise you, to honor you, to glorify your name. We pray you have been pleased with us in doing that this day. And if there are some or anyone who has never experienced the healing grace of Messiah in their hearts and lives, I pray, Father, they might experience it today. May they cry out to you, O Lord, and acknowledge, yes, I am in need. And I don't even have an I, a clue the depths of that need. But, Father, I know I have a need, and I ask you, to bring healing to me. And I pray that Messiah would take residence in my heart. For all of us, Father, we want to exhibit the very qualities and characters, characteristics of the King who has suffered for us and died, has given his life a ransom for many. We worship you, Lord, and we praise you. And as we continue to worship, For those of us, Father, who know you and are a part of Beth Ariel, we come to give unto you as you have led us to give. For our visitors and guests, Father, I pray that they might receive of you this day. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to him. Do remember us in your prayers.